Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, welcome to the final half hour of our exciting two-part series with Michael McGuire, all about the topic of leadership. Last week, we talked about leadership in the context of building a high-performance culture and environment for your team. In today's episode, we are delving deeper into leadership and into its role in business relationships and developing communities. We're also going to discuss Michael's work with an amazing organisation, Caritas Australia, a part of Caritas Internationalis, which is one of the world's largest and most effective emergency response networks. Caritas Australia is able to respond whenever disaster occurs through working with local partners to provide emergency relief to affected communities. You may be wondering why we are talking today about international charities. As we go through our discussion with Michael, I think it will become clear how this can become relevant to anyone who is involved in business. In fact, anyone who performs any role of leadership within an organization in relation to how that leadership can transcend into leadership within communities. I think this is a really important topic. I know it's not strictly related to legal topics, but I think it's really important for understanding the fundamental connection between organizations we're building and the community within which we're building them and the broader community as a whole. So if you're a team leader in your business or organization, this episode is for you. Here we go. listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. This podcast is listened to by many business owners and, you know, business owners are leaders in their own right. And I think some of the things we'll talk about today are, you know, perhaps some things that might be relevant for them to consider as leaders. But I think also one of the things we're talking about here is the benefit in people who are leaders, you know, whether that's the leaders of an organisation or leaders of of a team as, as you were yourself, an obligation to something greater than just the entity that you're part of as well, I guess. Like, you know, the the benefit that leadership can extend to if you look at leadership in the context of community rather than just the organisation that you are involved with. Something that I've sort of always done is I've always enjoyed probably attaching the community to the club. And, you know, inside communities, everyone's facing a bit of adversity. So, you know, especially in and around Redfern, um, whether it was the Indigenous community or, or other charities that were required and sometimes it was the homeless. I enjoyed watching whether it be the players or the club itself uh, continually going out and, and doing things inside the community that, that helped the people that might be at need or even, and one thing sport does bring is it brings happiness to a lot of people no matter where you are, um, whether or not you're, you're very financial or you, know, you, you don't quite have a lot of money, is that, that sport can bring people together and it doesn't matter who you are. There's no discrimination about when you enjoy uh, supporting one team and I think that's what really brings the sporting notion together 
to uh, support your own team. But how you tie that in, I'm, I'm happy to do that as well. Yeah, and uh, I mean, everyone looks at leadership in a different light, but I guess for myself, I see it from a, an opportunity to influence and influencing uh, in my my field is obviously the players to develop into great people first and then, uh, you know, the playing side will sort itself out from their natural abilities of, you know, being able to teach them how to play in a better way. But it's also being able to influence, influence sorry, your own team to influence the community. Yeah, so when I first came back to the South Sydney team, you know, one thing I noticed that in and around the South team is that, you know, everyone really was living in a lot of hope the fact that, you know, they've been telling me since I arrived that it's been 41 years and it was 42 years and it was 43 years before. <laughs> so it was something that, yeah, you could actually see the community really wanting, and not so much just the community, it was every supporter everywhere you went around Australia. I think the fact that the story of South, uh, where they fell out of the competition and then they came back into the competition and everyone probably had a bit of a soft spot for that club. Yeah. But, but it was actually watching people change over a period of time from living in hope to actually believing that, you know what, they have a team now that can win and then seeing that team actually cross the line and get the trophy was something that uh, was probably in some way as big as being able to stand there with my players but to watch the community just uh, have so much joy off the back of a moment in time. Uh, you know, and I remember sort of walking around the field after the boys had won and it was just watching the people in the stands and it was actually generations of people coming together due to the fact it was so long that South had been at that pinnacle again for 40 for 43 years so you've had from grandfathers and grandmothers to 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 their their daughters their sons to to their grandchildren and if not sometimes it was another uh, a level of uh, one down to to bring their great grandchildren and you could actually see in the stands how people were coming together so it wasn't so so much just around the win of having your team. It was actually the community that really enjoyed in that moment in time. And you know, to hear the stories now after is that the influence that that moment in time had on so many families. I think that is what is so special about being in a leadership position like I was. I was just to be a part of that, but a part of a group of people that were able to create that for other people. Within a club, I think there's always something greater than yourself. And uh, to be able to give back to the people around you always – tends to come back and find you in a good way. And uh, I found that that if I have that philosophy in and around a team that, yeah, the, the team itself gets so much joy out of being able to do the things it does each day, but the joy it actually gives to the community outside is probably so much greater at times because that's what people are living. They live every day of their life for their team or or for whatever it might be that they focus on. And, uh, you know, coming back to South uh, in 2000 and – 2012 that you know I came to it in that moment in time to a team that uh, was really hungry for success and you know they'd been waiting for 41 years and you know I got reminded of that many times when I first arrived and uh, I knew there was high expectation around what they wanted to achieve but uh, along the way I probably didn't realise at the time the significance of what this club and what South played on people and uh, as the team grew, uh, the support came and, you know, you could really see people's lives changing and their weeks changing because of they hadn't felt success for quite some time. So the expectations grew within the team or around the team, I should say. 
maybe we can use that to transition a bit as well to your post-Rabbitohs days and, and, and I guess also moving on to some of your work with Caritas, which is, I, I think, a great example of leadership within a community. So how did your work with Caritas start? How, how did you first find out about them? Uh, along the way, I happened to, to meet many great people, uh, many great supporters that um, were along the journey. And I came across uh, a young lady by the name of Sister Ivy, and she was a fanatical supporter of of uh, the Rabbitohs. Uh, she used to actually sit in front of the coach's box, and uh, when we won, uh, she was cheering. But when we lost, <laughs> it was uh, quite an interesting look. I used to get many times from many supporters, but uh, Ivy, <laughs> Ivy was one of them. But uh, yeah, over time we, we grew a, a, a strong relationship and a bond and it wasn't until I sort of asked Ivy, I said, what you what do you do? And she sort of mentioned that she likes to travel around the world and help the poor. So I thought, wow, that's a pretty unique um, yeah. uh, job to be able to do, to be able to go over and do that. And from there I found out that she was wound up with Caritas Australia. And uh, through our chats over a long period of time, every time we'd win, she'd come up and have a good chat about what she's up to and where she's been around the world. But it was obviously when we lost, she used to come and give me a bit of advice <laughs> <laughs> about how the team was going. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, it, it sort of grew from there. And it, it wasn't until, I think, I guess my, the back end of uh, my time at uh, South that she said, look, would you like to come over and come and see what I do? And I think it was probably a little bit of a, a throwaway line at the time, not thinking that it would actually happen. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, next thing uh, she said, look, I'm, I'm booking on, you can come with me. I said, why not? I'd love to be able to come over and see what's going on on the other side of the world and, and see in a country that is um, you know, probably not in the same position as what we are. And I think through my journey at South, so being able to be embedded in the community, uh, through the Indigenous, through through many different cultures within that area, you really get an understanding of uh, the, the vast difference between everyone. Everyone's uh, living in a different situation. But I think from my time at South is that whether or not uh, you're, you're doing it really well or you're doing it a bit tough, it always brought people together. And that was the, the great part about the sport is that it always bring people together which in, in our case was Ivy. And, you know, I was fortunate to then jump on a plane and go over to Zimbabwe where uh, it was an enormous uh, eye-opener and probably an enormous impact on how I felt about helping people. Let's take a short break. And when we get back, Michael will delve deeper into his experience working with Caritas Australia and the reflections he brought home from his trip to Zimbabwe. And that's next. I'm Joanna Oki, and you are listening to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by Aspect Legal. Are you looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. Our commercial legal services cover a wide spectrum of disciplines. Contract law, dispute resolution, business sales and acquisitions, brand protection and IP. We work with clients both large and small and we're all about helping you grow while protecting you from the unexpected storms of business. 
If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at www.aspectlegal.com.au to book in time for a free discussion with one of our legal eagles. So get in touch today. Welcome back. Earlier, Michael talked about the power of sports as a tool to bring people together and to bring joy to the community. He also drilled into the idea of viewing your leadership role as an opportunity to influence people and to give back into the community. We then heard Michael's story of how he started working with Caritas Australia, which is an international aid and development agency. Now, let's jump back to our conversation with Michael and explore his work with Caritas and his reflections on his trip to Zimbabwe. Maybe talk us through that. What what was the impact? What, what did you see that, you know, created such long-lasting effect on you? Yeah, I, th- I think I first landed in uh, Wangi and... I couldn't believe how welcoming the people were. And they they came up and they were so excited that you're actually there and then you looked around and they actually had nothing. They had to walk for five kilometres to go and get water. So they didn't have crops, they didn't have food, and there were actually people in those villages that were struggling actually to live. But it was really interesting or fascinating to see how happy these people were. So I guess one thing it does is it puts great perspective on, you know, the the stresses that we put on ourselves at times and, uh, you know, the desire of the things that we want in our life, whereas it was just a a real – it was actually really refreshing to be able to walk into this village and see the smiles and and just how grateful we were that Caritas Australia was actually coming. They couldn't believe that – people from Australia were actually coming to their village. Um, so <laughs> you could sort of really sense that. And I guess that they, they're the sorts of things that uh, you get out of when you're, when you're walking into a village and people don't have water, uh, they don't have food, but they have each other. And I guess hence the reasons why I really enjoy working in teams because it is about the people and the people coming together and the, the fact that they wanted to improve their environment and it was through sort of Caritas's programs, which obviously I've learned a lot more about since my time meeting Ivy, is that it's not so much about what they give, it's about how they educate them to get better. So they provided uh, the ability to be able to get, uh, and this is where all the money comes from, the donations, and I always was intrigued by where does all this money go when it's raised to these charities and the influence it has on so many people in these countries, it's its enormous. I mean, there were hundreds of people in this village and they didn't have water and food. But from Caritas entering into these um, villages to be able to help them just actually get water through the, the bores that they uh, provide allows the communities to start growing. And from the water, they, they can then grow food. From the food then goes on get, goes on to help the people actually have a, a better lifestyle rather than having to walk five kilometres one way to get water and then five kilometres back. It actually gave the people in the village so much more time back in their day. Wow. So, so that then gave them the ability to be able to go and spend more time growing their crops. It wasn't so much that Caritas actually gave them all these things, it's how they educated the villagers to be able to do it themselves. So it was an ongoing process rather than just one-off, this is what we're going to provide you with. So the programs were excellent. 
to watch how all of a sudden they've had crops, uh, better lifestyles. But what it was, was it was about being able to then sell off that food to be able to provide for their kids to go and get education. Yeah, And you could see within each of the villages that we walked in and out of is that they all had an understanding about what they needed to do was to try and educate their young kids because they knew if they could get that education, they would be able to get to a better place. And that was um, something that I really took from – it's a bit like growing a business. You start from scratch. But I saw it in real life, obviously, around how they built these communities of people that were actually dying in these communities because they didn't have water and food to, as we travelled from village to village, the the programs that I was able to see was the stepping stones of where they're at as they progress through. So the first village was, you know, it was very tough viewing the fact that these people didn't have a lot. And then uh, we went to another village that Caritas Australia had been in for quite some time and you could just see these great crops and they were able to actually sell their food to be able to then provide uh, more cement even just to be able to build a dam. So, you know, the, the fact that it was a starting point of one bore created the ability for these people to then to go on to to send these kids to schools was, uh, it was a great experience to be able to see this. It's amazing. It's amazing because, you know, I guess, you know, we talked a little bit about the concept of dealing with adversity um, before, but it's fascinating, isn't it? I think probably any listener to this podcast at the moment, if they're reflecting on the issues of adversity they're seeing in their life at the moment, probably would say it probably doesn't come anywhere near <laughs> the level of obviously the adversity you saw in Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah, we definitely build a lot of adversity between our ears. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes as a leader uh, to be able to impart that to your staff that it's not that bad. (laughs) It's a a difficult one to to always try and impart inside your organisation, but sometimes it's taking a step back and going, realising where you're at. And for me, yes, I uh, finished up at South and I uh, ended up travelling across to Zimbabwe and you look at, um, you know, what people have on the other side of the world and uh, to see what they face, but also knowing that they're actually still really happy. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. You know, we, we tend to build a lot what's between our ears about what's happiness and what's not. So, again, you know, it plays a big part in the mindfulness of everyone and, uh, you know, how we feel about our, our, our daily routines. We arrived at a school in Guerra. You know, in that school, you could just see a group of kids running around having a great time. And I was uh, lucky to take over a couple of uh, rugby league balls. And I didn't produce that at the start. And the kids were all running around and they all came over and they welcomed us. And, you know, they explained how the fact that they had a brand new toilet, uh, an outdoor toilet in their school. And they were so excited about the fact that they had this toilet. And it was really interesting sort of just getting an understanding about you know, what they appreciated uh, due to the fact that they didn't have a whole heap at the school. And I walked back over to the car and I grabbed the football out of the car and you could just see hundreds of eyes basically just, you know, connect with myself. And as I walked over, all the kids started walking towards me and uh, I threw this ball up in the air and the whole school went absolutely crazy. It was they were running around and the smiles and the laughter and I stood there and I could not believe that these young kids had never seen a football before. They'd never seen a soccer ball and they didn't have the sporting equipment that you know we, we always strive to have inside our households or at schools. And it was uh, great to see that just something as little as a football 
what our rugby league ball did to this school. And, you know, we sat around passing that and they, they played for an hour, over an hour. And <laughs> I actually left, I left the football with them. And uh, when we drove away, you could still see this whole school still throwing this football around. So it was, uh, it goes to show how, how little you might be able to give, yeah. but how great it is within a, a school environment or a community, uh, how long, it, how much it, it impacts the people. Such a big impact from such, well, something that we would see as quite small, you know, a ball. <laughs> That's just amazing. What a great story, Michael. You know, I'm really grateful for the discussion that we've had today because I think it really shows that leadership um, has so many dimensions to it, you know, and as leaders within within an organisation, we also need to recognise ourselves as leaders within a community as well. Yeah, I've, I've always found, I think, as a leader, if you can build a really enjoy uh, an enjoyable environment, it allows people to grow and express themselves. And, yes, that's, a, that's an art, obviously, to be able to do that. But, yeah, when you go and see what I... I was fortunate enough to go and visit uh, the fact that, you know, there were young kids. I'm not sure if you would like me to delve into that one, but there's there's young kids that, you know, were in safe homes and, you know, arrived in Harare, Harare, sorry, and they they were trafficked from Mozambique, which is 300 kilometres away. So these poor kids are taken out of their families and then basically put on the side of a road in a bus stop and... You know, some of these young people will go off and be young slaves, uh, sex work, all sorts of different things, which really puts a fair perspective then that's a five-year-old. That was a young five-year-old when I first walked into this safe home. And for the programs of what Caritas Australia are doing, it allows these kids to actually have a safe place. And from being a five-year-old in this uh, safe home to whether it's an orphanage, uh, there were 61 children in that same predicament when I first arrived there uh, within that um, the safe home, that, that safe home then allows these young people to go on and get schooling. From the schooling, they go on to actually be able to live a great life of education and the ability to, to help their communities grow. But these young kids will never, ever see their parents again. They never have a birth certificate, so they really don't know their own identity of where they've come from. Uh, they have no family. So... Yeah, when you're talking about adversity, I think, uh, you know, there's some incredible stories that uh, when you're reflecting on what you're going through at that moment in time. Yeah. Gosh. I think that um, really brings back relevance to where we are. And so I guess how can our listeners help? Um, so we've talked a little bit about Caritas and some of the things that Caritas does. And right at this moment, probably at the time that this podcast goes live, Project Compassion will be winding up. But maybe if you can talk just a little bit about what Project Compassion is and then just generally how businesses maybe can interact with Caritas. Yeah, I think Project Compassion, um, which yeah, I've been very fortunate to be a part of as Caritas have been out uh, helping raise funding for, for the people that I've spoken about, Project Compassion is a, a moment in time where they can really have a focus around helping out, uh, I guess, the less fortunate. And whether it's around Project Compassion time, Caritas are always obviously looking for funding. And I guess I can definitely vouch for the fact that where their funding is going is helping out hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, because I know they're in many countries. Uh, they're, they're spread right around uh, the world, and it's not so much just 
I was very fortunate, I guess, to have a, an experience in Zimbabwe, but there's many other places around the world that are going through these situations. And uh, now that I've got a lot more of an understanding about what Caritas do, it's saving and helping, uh, giving people opportunity to so many people that don't have the things that we do. But I always go and reflect on the fact that they're still happy people. And uh, I think inside the leadership that we've discussed throughout this podcast is that you know, leadership is about people. Leadership is about the influence that we can have on them. And I've been very uh, fortunate to be able to have uh, Sister Rivy come into my life to be able to take me over and experience what people, uh, how they live their life when they actually don't have anything, but uh, still plenty of happiness. Well, look, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. In the podcast show notes, we're going to put some links to Caritas. So you as listeners, if um, you want to help with some of the projects that Michael has been talking about today, that you can get involved. And and I guess just as a bit of a brainstorming, you know, some of the things that perhaps you could do as a business and something that we've recently implemented is thanking referrers by making a donation on their behalf to communities who could use the um, funding, you know, and, and there's ways I think that you can, you can be a leader of something greater than just your organisation, but within your community, if you just maybe stop to think about the impact that you, you can have on the communities around you. So thank you, Michael, so much. Let us know if you have any other ideas for businesses on how they can get involved. <laughs> but I, I guess just heading along to um, our show notes and clicking over to Caritas and finding ways to donate is one of the easiest and simplest things we can impart on our listeners out of this. No, great. Thank you very much and uh, really looking forward to uh, hearing how people respond and uh, look forward to uh, them uh, growing within their own businesses. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Michael. Um, what a great story. And um, hopefully out of this, we have some people, more people who might get involved in some of these some really important projects. Well, thanks for joining us in today's episode of Talking Law. This wraps up our two-part series with Michael Maguire on the topic of leadership and the opportunities it can bring both within your organisation and within the wider community. As a quick recap, in part one, we talked about leadership in the context of building a high-performance culture and environment for your team. Michael walked us through the ways he achieved this for the Souths. These concepts are universal and relate not just to sport, but also to businesses, organisations and life as a whole. If you didn't catch part one, don't worry. Simply head over to our website at talkinglaw.com. And then today, in part two, we talked about leadership and its role in building relationships and developing communities. We also heard Michael's story of how he got involved with Caritas Australia and the impact these projects have made to some of the world's poorest and most abused populations. At Aspect Legal, one of the main pillars of our business is that we care deeply for our clients and the broader community. To celebrate each time we start working with a new client, each time someone refers us a new client and each time I send even an email out of my inbox, we are donating a part of our legal fees to fund various projects, as well as conducting a larger fundraising project towards raising funds for a slum in Manila in the near future, which we will release details of very soon. If you're interested in being a partner in this endeavor, please get in touch with us today. 
You can shoot us an email at inquiries at aspectlegal.com.au or use the contact page on our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Well, these last two episodes have been a little bit of a change in direction, but hopefully you found them useful, interesting and full of information that feeds thoughts for you of your position of leadership within your own organization and within the community. In our next podcast, we're getting back to talking about law within business. So thanks for listening in for this and our last podcast. We look forward to joining you for future podcasts on Talking Law, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.